I'm Damien Fowler. And I'm Ailey Sliffering. And welcome to this edition of The Current Podcast. The Current is your deep dive into the future of TV, media, and data-driven marketing, all explained in plain English. We talk to the biggest names in digital marketing. This week, we sit down with Carrie Marshall, the Vice President of Media at T-Mobile, one of the big three telecom companies in the United States. The company is at the forefront of the 5G revolution, launching successful brand campaigns about the network's capabilities, which brings faster-than-broadband speeds through the air. Carrie is a veteran marketer for T-Mobile, having been with the company since 2006. In that time, she's helped them navigate the complex, fast-moving, and highly competitive telecom marketplace. In 2020, the company acquired Sprint, which reshaped the nation's wireless industry once again. Carrie likens the constant battle of the networks to what else but Game of Thrones. That sounds action-packed. And what's exciting about this is that Carrie Marshall's had a front-row seat on all of this. We asked her to tell us about that journey. It has been a, a journey full of ups and downs, and it's quite a quite a roller coaster. Actually, when I started, I was working at the ad agency, and you know, VoiceStream Wireless was the client that I worked on. And back then, we were selling minutes, and not very exciting of a brand to work on. We weren't even national; it was very regional focused. Shortly after, Deutsche Telekom bought T-Mobile, and I got to be a part of the launch of T-Mobile in the U.S. But again, at that time, you know, wireless category was still you know, there wasn't a lot to differentiate yourselves, and we were definitely in that value zone. And value is still at the core of T-Mobile today, so we never wanted to lose that. But the, the journey to get to where we are, right, I started maybe 30 million customers or over 100 million customers, like 107 million customers, number two in the, in the U.S. For, for our base, which is amazing to think about how we got here. It wasn't that long ago where one of our competitors was trying to buy us. And we are losing customers every year, 2 million. I think we are losing 2 million customers a year before we launched the carrier. And to go from that position of being almost bought, you know, the, the deal obviously fell through. We invested the, the cash that we got from that, that deal into our network, then launched the carrier. We really had nothing to lose. At the core was about solving customer pain points and putting the customer first. Nothing else mattered. And it was about putting the customer first and, and fixing, you know, a, a broken industry. And fast forward to where we are today, over 100 million customers and still have value at the core, but now really the innovator and um, have the best network in the U.S. It's fascinating. Why do you think that switch in focus was so successful? I think at the core, it was about putting the customers first. You know, you think about businesses that do that they're often successful. If you think about what does the customer want, that is who you're here for. You know, we're here to serve the customer. And then an extension of that is how we think about our front line, our employees that work in the store that are the face to the customer. That kind of frontline employee base at T-Mobile has been critical for our success because they're the ones interacting with our customers who ultimately, you know, we serve. What's interesting to me about this category is you're a tech company and, and so many of the innovations you talk about are so complex, advanced network solutions. They're not necessarily the easiest things to put over or concepts to market. And I know a, a lot of tech companies focus on the consumer rather than selling the tech. Is that the way you're going? Yeah, I think, you know, it's a little bit difficult now in the, the world of 5G where 
you know, we're the leader in 5G, we're first to market, we have the most scale, and it's not something that consumers are really benefiting from today, right? Like there's nothing tangible about 5G that, that I'm excited about. Important for us to market that because network perception used to be our Achilles heel, and we've made tremendous strides in that. And when you're a leader in a network category, you want everyone in the world to know about it. But to the consumer, they just think faster. You know, the world of 4G was the world of like apps. That, that's when, you know, your Ubers and Netflix, all of a sudden those businesses were able to become a reality because of 4G. That consumer benefit of 5G isn't real quite yet. And so we, while we do you know, market our network, it is important. I think that the consumer benefit of something that is still very technical in nature and doesn't like, apply to their day-to-day still presents a challenge to us. Speaking about 5G, it's just the industry does change at like breakneck speed on several fronts. What is your overall like, approach to keeping up? It's interesting because the, the wireless industry changes so much, the technology changes so much. And, and my specific role at T-Mobile overseeing media, the media landscape also changes almost at the same pace. A few years ago, thinking about OTT um, and all these you know, connected TVs was barely a conversation. Now it's at the forefront of the conversation. So definitely keeps my job interesting. We're very competitive company by nature and respond to our business in, in real time. It's never taking the pulse off of what's happening today while still trying to plan in the future and innovate. It's sometimes a hard balance, but I think that everyone at our company, no matter what level, kind of feels the business pace on a, on a daily and weekly basis. I know one of the recent kind of like innovations you guys have started really is your initiative with like SpaceX to like reach underserved populations of the world with internet access. How are like innovations like this and then like partnerships, how are they like core to the T-Mobile brand? Yeah, the, you know, SpaceX um, partnership is interesting. They're the leader in satellite uh, communication. We're the leader in America's 5G. And when two companies like that share a vision of a more connected future, I think it's really exciting to see what we can accomplish. The alliance is about making sure that there's more complete coverage, right? Including first responders, whether in emergency situations or anyone that's ever hit a dead zone. And partners like that that are innovating is just kind of core to who the uncarrier is. We're always looking for ways to break through to the consumer and you know, cool and, and more relevant ways. SpaceX is a perfect example of that and really excited to see you know, where, where, where we start making that a reality for consumers. Carrie, before you mentioned uh, something about the speed of business and how your teams have to constantly pay attention to keep up. And one of the things we talk about here a lot is streaming and the move and shift to streaming and how people consume content. I'm curious, uh, you know, from your point of view, how has this changed the way you approach the upfront TV buying process? Bearing in mind that T-Mobile has a, a huge presence on national television. It has those big linear campaigns. Has this innovation of streaming uh, and the fact that people are watching streaming changed the way you market? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it changes our conversations where we oftentimes almost start with the streaming conversation and linear is a little bit more passive. And, you know, linear plays a role for sure, but even linear is kind of more of a seasonal role. NFL, you're going to be in linear. We still need the scale for our business. But OTT and what connected TVs 
provide, not only do we have to be there because that's where consumers are, but it presents an opportunity and presents a challenge for mass advertisers. Now, the opportunity now is, well, hopefully you can start eliminating waste by being more targeted with, you know, different audiences, different messages to those audiences. The challenge is still on the measurement front. And the challenge is also, as a mass advertiser, really defining those audiences um, that you want to go after. Like, we haven't really had to push ourselves to get there because we want to target everyone in the U.S. You know, even though we have a customer base of over 100 million, there's still efficiencies to, to reach everyone. So I think that, you know, it, it's changed the, our dynamics. It's changed the way that I partner with our creative teams because more content is necessary. The measurement framework and the analytics that we need to support that change in strategy is more apparent than ever. What's interesting to me about streaming is that it does offer the opportunity to find, I suppose, new audiences. Is that something that you're thinking about when you think about streaming campaigns? And, and secondly, is it a more performance-driven way of, of marketing? I know a lot of the types of marketing within your category is very deal-driven, you know, stay with us, uh, you know, or there's some new deals for current customers. But I'm wondering if streaming allows you to find incremental new customers. Yeah, it does. And we have, you know, one of the ways that we kind of monitor and, and kind of optimize our buy to get that incremental reach is through partners like iSpot. And they allow us to have kind of greater visibility to that ecosystem to look at the incremental reach that different partners can can provide. So we're definitely looking at that. Again, the challenge is we can provide incremental reach the audience piece specifically is more of a challenge because we're providing reach still based on households or demo base, whereas I want to provide incremental reach maybe on certain behaviors that make up an audience. So I think that planning is there, but the way that we buy and the measurement piece to really get back to the incremental reach of the audience still has some, some challenges. Now, you mentioned also about going after everyone. Certain competitors, you know, in the telecom space tend to go after more age-specific categories. I'm thinking of like mid-mobile with Gen Zers and like young millennials, for instance. Why is that not as much of a priority for T-Mobile? It's not that it's not a priority. I think our brand tends to over-index against a, a younger audience. And we prioritize it from a way that we partner with the entertainment industry. So it might not be a specific media spend, but we do a lot of, you know, concert tours and partnerships with Lizzo or, you know, in the past we've had Justin Bieber. We show up at music festivals, experiential stuff. We're looking at agreements with uh, social creators, so people that are creating content themselves as a way to reach. I don't. I think that that audience isn't as responsive and doesn't necessarily, you know, we know they're not watching video the same way that an older audience does. They're not listening to terrestrial audio. So we're, we're rounding out the edges of how to reach them. And I think it's a little bit more of a curated way versus some of the mass media that's maybe worked for us in the past. Has your strategy evolved as digital has become a bigger piece of the budget pie? Yes, I think that we're still, you know, there's still a lot of opportunities for us to create better digital experiences for our consumers, both the base and our prospects. That is a priority. Thinking about our retail stores are still the primary way that customers transact with us. 
That's the primary entry point. We know that there's research and shopping done digitally, and that is also important. But when it comes to actually making the transaction, you're going into a retail store. So we are definitely focusing on making that experience um, more digitally enabled, right? Because even if you walk into the store, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have a digital experience and capabilities built out within your store footprint. But it's a balance of investing there as well as maybe someone doesn't have to go into the store at all to transact and convert with T-Mobile. Now, how did the pandemic maybe affect that kind of goal or maybe that helped, I guess, make the shift towards more of like a digital in-store balance there? Just how did that shift affect T-Mobile's like approach to in-store strategy? Yeah, what was it's interesting, and you know, we did shut our doors down for um, a short period of time, but you know, we were also able to open up quicker than a lot of retailers were because we were important for people to communicate and, and deem that way. But it was also challenging to get people to work in the store during the pandemic. So even if we could open the doors and serve as a necessity for for communication. It was also, you know, presented challenges like we're, we're asking our employees to put themselves in, you know, potential situations that no one wanted to be in. So our, our flow definitely slowed down and we saw more customers, you know, we have amazing churn, but even during the pandemic, like no one was really switching. Like there wasn't a lot of, you know, switching activity happening and the digital experience, it was more focused on virtual retail. T-Mobile has its own in-house agency. How do you find the balance between what in-house handles versus maybe what an outside agency might pick up? It's fluid. So I'll start there. It can be challenging. I feel like I'm constantly kind of problem solving specific use cases of like who is driving, who's engaged, who's the decision maker. Our journey of in-housing, you know, we started, I would say, small. We didn't try to do everything at once. And we, we garnered a lot of learnings by doing that. We started with our paid search and brought that in and some ad tech. And so you start working out the kinks of a new behavior internally and coordination with the agency. So it's a behavioral kind of um, change that we needed to embrace and figure out. And then, you know, we, we built upon that and we, now we have our programmatic, our social, ad operations, um, supporting our entire enterprise all in-house. It, it's not perfect, right? There's changes happening in our industry that presents um, more discussions, like as new digital opportunities come up, should our agency do it? Should our in-house team do it? What is that vision as we start sourcing inventory more broadly, who should take lead on negotiations? So I would say like every few months, we're kind of pulling up and discussing kind of where we take things, um, where should capabilities kind of be at a third party and um, or at a, our agency partner versus what should we be doing ourselves? A lot of learnings, especially on the people side, right? You can't just say, let's take something in-house. We're not a media company, right? We're a wireless company. You know, media agencies groom and retain their good talent by keeping them trained and educated. Like there's a whole, like that's what a media agency, that's their business. You bring a portion of that in-house and all of a sudden you have to like kind of ring fence it and think about that team a little bit differently than maybe other parts of the organization. There are um, different needs, um, different types of investment, different considerations from a, a training perspective, you know, that are required in order to be successful. We recently reported a story about the chicken sandwich wars between fast food chains, and, and that's heating up again. Obviously, there's been a lot of attention on carrier wars as well. And I, and I you know, know that T-Mobile has come out on top as the global high performer. 
First off, does that make you feel good? For a minute, but it's never enough. Accomplishment, that's great, but we're always looking for more. Is marketing, you know, in your category, in the telecom category, a Game of Thrones? That's interesting to put it that way. Yeah, I think to some degree, I think our culture is very competitive. We always say around here, like, we won't stop. And that started really in the uncarrier days of like solving customer pain points. And at the beginning, there was so many pain points to, to kind of conquer and positioning ourselves against the enemy. And the true enemy was Verizon, was AT&T. And that kind of fueled, you know, a sense of energy here and a tight culture of like we had a sense of purpose and we were going to like do this, but we're doing it for the good of the consumer. And the same way that, you know, when we merged with Sprint, we think about 5G and having, you know, the, the best 5G network. How do we use it for good, right? For the good of the consumer and, and kind of pushing ourselves apart from thinking about us in the category. I don't want to be compared to AT&T and Verizon because they're doing everything that we wouldn't want to do. We, we're kind of standing on our own and about connecting consumers and doing what's right for them. And that includes, you know, what we're doing now from a value perspective and, you know, locking our prices when our competitors are increasing their prices. I think that maybe a little bit of Game of Thrones and, you know, we're, we're definitely winning. But now we're entering new categories like home internet where we're winning and it's, you know, we won't stop. We're, we're going to continue to grow. You say T-Mobile is locking your prices. Is that due to inflation at all? Is that why your competitors might be upping their pricing at this time? How is that like playing into, I guess, maybe just your marketing efforts too at this time? We want our, our customers to get the most of their rate plans. And so locking in their prices was one component of presenting that value because there's a lot of prices can be you know, unstable. I think inflation right now, a lot of consumers are battling with that. Grocery store to gas to everywhere you look and our competitors are increasing wireless and passing along maybe costs that you know the company might be taking on into consumers' hands. And we just ultimately, it's, it's against the uncarrier. Fundamentally think about the customer first. Did inflation play into it? You could say timing was kind of in the same zone, but it was also just about doing what's right for the customer, providing them more value. You know, this year we also launched additional benefits within our rate plan. So not only locking prices in, but additional travel benefits, streaming in the air. You know, we have our T-Mobile Tuesdays, which is thanking our customers every single week. You don't have to do anything. You don't add up your points. It's just a thank you. We want our customers to always get more out of um, the rate plan. As you think about the year ahead, is there anything that you're particularly focused on? Is there a marketing trend that excites you right now that you're thinking, we've got to lean into that? One of the things that I know is frustrating for uh, my leaders here is like we're spending a lot of money in media. What is it doing for us? I don't want performance engines and, you know, our search investments doing this and our programmatic investment is doing that. And we have a lot more data there. And then you have, you know, massive video bucket, national TV bucket. And you're like, well, here's what I think it's doing, but it's more on planned delivery versus tied to our business. Outside of MMM, which is, a, you know, a historical look back on performance, I need real-time data to help us optimize and steer. So that that's a big push for me as we're thinking about new ways to measure, new ways to work with our partners, and where do we all need to line up to get to a better place? You know, in the next year, we're not going to solve it all, but we have to, we have to make progress. And that's it for The Current. Stay tuned because next time we'll have Vivian Long, the CMO of REI. 
as we think about really supporting people over a longer period of time, not just in a transaction, but over across a lifetime, being able to understand what's meaningful to someone who's younger, newer to the outdoors, to someone who may have been in the outdoors for a very long time. It's a wonderful gift and enables us to think about what is the next 85 years of history or future that we want to create for future generations. The Current is produced by Wonder Media Network. Our theme is by Love and Caliber. The Trade Desk team includes Cassie Crosby, Yvonne Sikich, and Kat Fessy. And remember, I think at the core it was about putting the customers first. You know, you think about businesses that do that, they're often successful. If you think about what does the customer want, that is who you're here for. I'm Elise. And I'm Damien. And we'll see you next time.